This is The Space Shot, episode 13, for May 27th, 2017. John F. Kennedy, part 3. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mullix. In the last two episodes, we've been talking about President Kennedy and the geopolitical climate at the beginning of the space age. While President Kennedy may have seen solo American success in space as a prestige builder, he also saw the potential benefits of cooperation in space. There are examples of how Kennedy didn't always want to take a clearly leading role in space. In 1961, Kennedy tried to work with the Soviets to develop a joint mission to the moon, but was rebuffed by Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. Then in September of 1963, Kennedy proposed a joint expedition to the moon again while speaking at the United Nations, still holding out hope that a joint mission to the moon could further soothe tensions during the Cold War and help also alleviate budgetary concerns for the Apollo missions. Once Kennedy realized that nothing would come from the overtures for cooperation in space, at least not yet, it seems he was committed to taking the road he had laid out in his speech in 1961. In the book, John F. Kennedy and the Race to the Moon, author John Logsdon relays a moment that took place during Kennedy's visit to Launch Complex 37. Kennedy was in Florida to inspect the launch facilities at Cape Canaveral, and also to watch the test of a submarine-launched ballistic missile. Logsdon writes, As his party left the control center, the president lagged behind to inspect the models of the various launch vehicles being used by NASA ranging from the small redstone booster that had been used for the suborbital launches of Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom to the mighty Saturn V that would be used to send astronauts to the moon. When he was assured that the models were all to the same scale, Kennedy used words like amazing and fantastic. Robert Siemens, who accompanied Kennedy throughout the visit, suggests that the president, maybe for the first time, begin to realize the dimensions of these projects. Last summer, I walked underneath the Saturn V that's on display at Kennedy Space Center, and I didn't fully appreciate the immensity of that vehicle until I was able to see it firsthand. The following quote is from a speech that the president was scheduled to deliver in Dallas on the day he was assassinated. In this speech, Kennedy would have spoken of the progress that had been made since he came into office and the goals he had for the future of spaceflight, both for the United States and for Texas. In the last three years, we have increased our annual space effort to a greater level than the combined total of all space activities undertaken in the 1950s. We have launched into orbit more than four times as many space vehicles as had been launched in the previous three years. We have focused our wide-ranging efforts around a landing on the moon in this decade. We have put valuable weather and communication satellites into actual operation. And we will fire this December the most powerful rocket ever developed anywhere in the world. And we have made it clear to all that the United States of America has no intention of finishing second in outer space. This is still a daring and dangerous frontier, and there are those who would prefer to turn back or to take a more timid stance. But Texans have stood their ground on embattled frontiers before, and I know you will help us see this battle through. In the immediate aftermath of the assassination, President Johnson announced in a televised address that the Launch Operations Center would be renamed in Kennedy's honor. Kennedy Space Center was born, and every human that has walked on the moon lifted off from one of the two launch pads at Kennedy Space Center. After Apollo, there was a long gap in human flights that lifted off from the pads at Kennedy. Eventually, shuttle missions would take hundreds of astronauts into space, and now, in the coming decades, they will be the place from which a new generation of astronauts begin their journeys into yet unknown frontiers. The last thing I wanted to talk about today is the first anniversary of a SpaceX booster landing. 
the Falcon 9 booster that landed on the drone ship, Of Course I Still Love You, marked the third time in SpaceX history that a booster had been recovered at sea. To give you a sense of scale, check out the show notes for a picture that shows you just how small people are next to a Falcon 9 when it's landed. When the Falcon 9 first stage separates from the second stage of the rocket, the two parts are traveling at about Mach 6, depending on the mission requirements. Mach 6 is six times the speed of sound, or about 4,600 miles per hour. At that speed, you could travel from New York City to Los Angeles in about 30 minutes. SpaceX then performs a series of entry burns, and then a final landing burn that brings the roughly 14-story tall booster to rest either on land or on one of the autonomous drone ships. The mission that was launched today was the TICOM-8 satellite. The satellite was launched into a super-synchronous transfer orbit that's used for communication satellites. This meant that the booster was traveling even faster than Mach 6 when it started its journey to the drone ship for landing. While this landing was successful, one of the landing legs was compromised when its crush core was, for lack of a better term, crushed. As Of Course I Still Love You made its way back into port, the extent of the damage to that leg was apparent. The Falcon 9 ended up leaning slightly to the side of the crushed leg, and I'll be linking to one of those pictures as well in the show notes. Tomorrow, we'll talk about Abel and Baker, two monkeys that had one heck of a suborbital ride. Now that the Space Shot is available through iTunes Podcasts, I would be thrilled if you would leave a review for the show. Be sure to share the show on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and everywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm super appreciative of all the messages I've received so far, so don't be shy on iTunes. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.